Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. We're talking today about the coming COVID winter with the state's new chief medical executive, Dr. Natasha Bagdazarian. We're going to hear how she's preparing and what she's doing to convince more Michiganders to get vaccinated or get boosted. Then we'll continue the conversation with a public health expert from the University of Michigan and hear from you about how you're dealing with the ongoing pandemic. That's all next on Detroit Today. But first, the news from NPR. Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Remember back in the spring, vaccines were newly available for all adults. COVID numbers were dropping. Mask mandates and other state restrictions were being lifted, or at least we were discussing whether they might be lifted. It felt like the world was returning to normal. But, of course, the Delta variant had other plans for all of us. The more contagious and deadly strain of the virus has been given lots of fuel to burn through with millions of Americans who have refused to get vaccinated. But now we're starting to hear that Delta might finally be waning, at least on a national scale. Some of that hope for return to normal is coming back in national news stories. But we don't seem to be seeing the same kind of decline here in Michigan. And as we head into the winter months, there's some concern that those hopes might be dashed once again. What will the next few months look like for Michigan? Joining me now is Michigan's new top doctor. Dr. Natasha Bagdazarian took over the role of Michigan chief medical executive after jo- Dr. Jonay Khaldun left the job to become the vice president and chief health equity officer of CVS Health. Dr. Bagdazarian was on the show just a couple of weeks before getting that promotion, and we're excited to have her back on today for an update on how the state is doing at this stage of the pandemic. Dr. Bagdazarian, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me on. So first, of course, congratulations on the new role. Uh, What are some of the things you hope to take from uh, Dr. Khaldun's approach and continue in this role? And what are some things that you think you might do differently? Well, Dr. Khaldun and I had uh, over a year where we worked together very closely. And so I had a chance to see how she approached the pandemic and how she navigated some of these difficult decisions. Um, And so it was a really fantastic learning opportunity for me to work with her in that capacity. Uh, She did a fantastic job. And my goal is to continue on that work and really follow the science and data, uh, give the best advice possible, both internally at MDHHS, to the governor, and to the people of Michigan. Uh, And my advice is going to be based on science, um, data, and uh, and, and nothing else. Um, We've been hearing a lot lately, of course, about how the Delta variant seems to be waning nationwide. Talk about what's going on, though, here in Michigan. Numbers had been going in the wrong direction for some time. Uh, Do you expect numbers to start dropping or are you concerned that we are looking at the possibility of another spike as we head into the winter months? It's hard to know. Um, What I can tell you is that this surge looked vastly different than our previous surges. Number one, if we compare what happened this fall to what was going on last fall, this occurred much earlier. Um, So we saw this spike start much earlier, but then it was a very slow and steady incline, unlike previous surges where the number of cases have shot up. And I think that there were a few factors here. I think the timing suggested that this had a lot to do with schools reopening, especially when we saw the number of cases in our 5 to 18 age group. Um, On top of that, we are in a very different place than we were last year with the widespread availability of three extremely effective vaccines. And because 
um, a good proportion of our population is now vaccinated, we didn't see that very sharp incline. We saw more of a gradual increase. Now, the news that we may be getting a vaccine for 5 to 11 is on the horizon, and that's amazing news for everyone. Uh, again, giving some light at the end of the tunnel. However, while we seem to be in experiencing a plateau uh, in, in terms of number of cases right now, and we're not seeing an increase in the last few days, one of the things we have to look ahead to is the fact that it is fall. The weather's getting colder. People are going to be going indoors more. The holidays are coming up. We're expecting people to want to gather around the holidays. And then we have other respiratory viruses circulating. And those, um, those are a dangerous mix. So we'll be watching our case rates very carefully and making sure that things don't start to surge again. So we are starting to see some issues arise with schools. And I know that there has been a pretty robust debate at the state level about what kind of restrictions to mandate statewide for children and, and, and teachers and staff and, and all the people who inhabit schools. We're starting to see some, some surges, though, in some places. And there are some districts that are having to close down certain schools uh, or, or take days off because there aren't enough people to be able to teach or uh, a lot of uh, children have tested, tested positive. Uh, talk about the situation specifically in schools and whether you're concerned that that could get worse as we get further into the school year. I remain concerned about the situation in schools, and my advice throughout is that masks work, especially in indoor settings where a vast number of people are unvaccinated. Masks work. We work very closely with our colleagues at the University of Michigan School of Public Health, and we've been able to put together some data that looks at what has happened in Michigan schools for districts that have mask policies in place and those that do not have mask policies in place. And what we see is the case rates are lower and the incline in cases um, was much slower in those districts that had mask policies. We know that these mask policies work. And that's why here at the state level, we continue to encourage, recommend um, mask guidance and, and, uh, and mask policies in schools. Mm. I'm talking with Dr. Natasha Bagdazarian. She is Michigan's chief medical executive, uh, took over that role from Dr. Jonay Khaldun, who recently departed. Uh, we are talking about the current state of COVID, both in terms of the pandemic itself and the spread of the disease, but also what that means for us and our lives as we go into what will be the second COVID winter that all of us will experience. Uh, we'd love to hear from you during the conversation. Do you think we're at a turning point in the pandemic where we might be returning back to some state of normal sometime soon? Or are you just as concerned as ever about the direction that we're headed? Uh, do you think we will ever be able to resume life as it was before the pandemic? Also give us a sense of how you're feeling about the news that we will soon have a vaccine that uh, will be available for kids aged 5 to 11? How will that change the way uh, that you're thinking about COVID and all of the restrictions? Uh, if you have kids that age, we'd love to hear from you about your thoughts about the vaccine. As always, we also want to hear your thoughts about the vaccine for adults. Have you taken it? Uh, are you still someone who is a little hesitant? Uh, we'd love to hear about uh, booster shots as well and uh, your experience with that. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Dr. Bagdazarian, I, I want to talk a little about vaccines as well. Uh, what's the what's the thinking, the current thinking on how we continue to move the percentages up of the, the people who've gotten vaccines, especially in places here like the city of Detroit, where we still have far too many people, at least in my opinion, who have not taken uh, the vaccine? Where, where, where do we stand with that? 
Well, I think communication is key. I think uh, having conversations like this, having open conversations about the vaccine, allowing people to ask questions are always helpful. Um, I continue to use my voice at the state level. My colleagues in local health departments continue to use their voices. And I think for listeners today who may still be on the fence, it's important to have a trusted source uh, where you can ask these types of questions and someone who really is um, evidence-based and who understands the vaccine. And so if people are still on the fence, this is a good time to talk to your family practice doctor, to your child's pediatrician, to a doctor that you know and trust, and ask them their thoughts about the vaccines. When we look at national data and Michigan data on healthcare provider and healthcare providers' own uptake of the vaccine, um, we saw that healthcare providers, especially doctors, um, have very, very high rates of vaccination. So I think that should be reassuring that those of us who are in the medical field, those of us who follow the data very closely, we ourselves are getting vaccinated and we're advising vaccination for our friends and neighbors and family members. Uh, so I think that should be reassuring. Mm. But talk to trusted people in your life and ask these types of questions. Mm-hmm. What about the coming child vaccine? Uh, I expect that maybe before the end of the year, we might be see the beginning of children being vaccinated. How does that change the picture when we're thinking about all of the different ways that we need to adjust to the pandemic and specifically, I guess, uh, schools, it seems like, would would be impacted pretty significantly by all of that. Absolutely. Um, and, and the vaccine is coming very soon. So we already heard back from one advisory group this week. We'll be hearing back from the CDC next week. So November 2nd, November 3rd is when we're going to hear about the pediatric vaccine. And here at the state, we're ready to go. So we've been allocated over 287,000 doses by the federal government. We already have providers who are pre-booking vaccine doses. We're already planning on the logistics. So as soon as that authorization comes out, we will make vaccine available here at the state. Um, what are we seeing in terms of uh, booster shots and uh, the, the, the idea that all of us who got the vaccine probably are going to need uh, a little more. I, I worry that the hesitancy that we saw with the vaccine initially will, of course, spill over into um, into the realm of the booster as well. Yes, lots of news on the booster front as well. So we now have boosters that have been approved for all the three vaccines that are available. So the Pfizer vaccine, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. We've got lots of information on our website if you're interested in receiving a booster. And we do, of course, encourage people to get a booster if you're eligible. Um, In terms of making our population safer, making our community safer, um, and really reaching a place where COVID is not dictating what's going on in our communities and our lives, the key is to actually get um, people who are not vaccinated vaccinated. So the boosters are fantastic. They're a wonderful tool. I think on an individual level, um, they really offer that added protection. But really, the bang for the buck is for the people who are out there who have not been vaccinated and who have no protection against COVID, um, we really want those individuals to get their first shot. Um, So again, we've got lots of exciting things on the horizon. The tools are there. They're available. Um, Vaccines are available now for Uh, The majority of the population, we've got pediatric vaccines coming soon. We've got lots of boosters, and boosters are available. The tools are there. We just need to use them so that we can get out of this pandemic. Yeah. So I asked in the questions to to callers about the idea of normal and going back to normal and having things in our lives not, not changed or affected by the pandemic. I I wonder what you make of that kind of prospect. Uh, In other words, are we ever going to get back to a place where there is just normal, that that we are not worried about this disease and worried about the ways in which uh, it, it is deadly or otherwise debilitating? 
I think that's a very interesting question. Uh, a couple of things to, to sort of unpack there. Number one, there's the idea of will things ever go back to the way they were before the pandemic, so to 2019 um, type of living. And that's a difficult question because we've all been through this collective trauma. We've all been through um, almost two years now of the pandemic, and I think that we are all in some way changed. Um, we think about disease differently. Many of us have been impacted by losing loved ones. I think that all of the information that's come out over the last um, year and a half about washing your hands and uh, staying home if you're unwell, I think some of those lessons are going to stay with us, and I think they should stay with us. But in terms of resuming our activities and getting back to um, something that was similar to our pre-pandemic life, yes, I think that is on the horizon. I also think it's a gradual process. I don't think it's something that will happen overnight. COVID is not going away completely. We have to find ways to live with this virus where the virus doesn't cause death, doesn't cause hospitalization, doesn't cause massive outbreaks. So we need to work as a community to put controls and safeguards in place so that we can um, return to a more normal life. Um, but again, I think it's a process. And here at this state, we're looking at that process and what this looks like. How are things going to look over the next year, two years? So we're starting to put those plans together. Um, all of this is in sight, as I mentioned, and the vaccines are the biggest tool we have. So if you have any listeners who are on the fence, um, I really encourage people to get their COVID vaccine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I wonder what you make of this, how close we are, I guess, to the 70% goal that Governor Whitmer had laid out, and, and, and that's the goal that I think everybody in the medical community is is aiming for, the 70%. Um, do you think we're going to hit that soon, or are we at a place where the people who want the vaccine really have gotten it, and it's just going to be harder and harder to get more people to to take it? We're very close to 70%. So that number we initially talked about for residents ages 16 and over. And when we look at our first dose tracker, um, which is one of the things you'll see front and center on our webpage, the first dose tracker for those 16 and older, we're at 68.8%. So we are very close. And I think that that number is something to celebrate and really um, enjoy that we've come so far. But... 70% isn't our end goal. It isn't, you know, if we, if, when we reach 70%, we're not going to stop. The goal is really to get as many people vaccinated as possible. And the more people who are vaccinated, the more we can control spread, we can control outbreaks, and we can, again, not have the virus dictate our lives. So the vaccine is very important at the individual level. So if you got vaccinated today, you have... Um, an amazing individual protection, but also at the community level, this is how we care for each other. This is how we care for our neighbors and our communities and stop the virus from spreading in our communities. Okay. Uh, Dr. Natasha Bagdazarian, Michigan's chief medical executive. Again, congratulations on becoming our chief medical executive. And thanks very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thank you so much. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about the status of the pandemic here in Michigan. This time we're going to talk with University of Michigan epidemiologist Dr. Emily Martin. We also want to hear from you. Let's get going on the phones. Call and tell us what are you thinking about COVID-19 right now? What precautions are you still taking? What uh, precautions have you thrown off and said, we don't need to do this anymore. What do you think about the coming child vaccine? Do you have kids aged 5 to 11? What are you thinking about whether you might have them vaccinated uh, or not? Also, give us an update on your own vaccination status. What are you thinking about being vaccinated against COVID-19? Are you still on the fence? Are you still waiting for something to happen that might change your mind? As always, the number on the phones is 313 313- 577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can go to Facebook or Twitter and put comments there as well. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. 
listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDTM. Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking about the current state of the pandemic. What's going on with COVID-19 around the country and here in Michigan, uh, where we are with vaccinations, where we are with restrictions and mask mandates and all of those things. We want to hear from you as well about what you're thinking about COVID-19 right now. Are you still observing all of the restrictions that were in place uh, for a long time? Are you social distancing? Are you wearing a mask? Uh, Are you washing your hands a lot more than you did before? Um, Also, give us a sense of what you think of the news that we will very soon have a vaccination available for kids age 5 to 11. I think that's a game changer in the conversation about going back to normal. I think once children are less vulnerable to the disease, it will sort of alter the picture and make a lot lot of of other things uh, more possible uh, to be doing again. What do you think uh, if you have a child age 5 to 11? Are you hesitant or worried about uh, whether you might even get a vaccination uh, for them? Also, give us a sense of what your own vaccination status is and what you're thinking about it. Are you unvaccinated? Call and tell us why. Call and tell us what would convince you to get the COVID-19 vaccination. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, I want to welcome another voice to the show here. Dr. Emily Martin is Associate Professor of Epidemiology at the University of Michigan School of Public Health. She rejoins us to talk about this moment in the pandemic. Uh, Dr. Martin, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's start with your own assessment of the direction that Michigan is headed right now, as much of the rest of the country is starting to see COVID cases decline. Are we seeing the same thing here in Michigan? Yeah, we are just recently starting to match the patterns in the rest of the country. It was interesting to watch, you know, the rest of the country started to move down and the Midwest really um, lagged behind a little ways in, in being able to decrease. And we're just in the last few weeks starting to see signs that a decrease might be happening in Michigan. Um, you know, decreases are good. I want to see it continue. I hope it sticks. We still are at a pretty high level of case rates, though. You know, we're still 11th in the nation for case rates and still at a level where I think we're still seeing significant disruption, you know, in our schools and workplaces. And so starting to stabilize and go down, and I'd really like to see it go down further. So what what do we need to do to make that go down further? What are we not getting right still uh, with with the response to COVID-19? Well, the biggest impacts we're seeing right now are in our children. Um, and so we've got this great tool coming on, the, you know, the vaccine becoming available for the 5 to 11-year-olds, I think is going to make a really huge, phenomenal difference for, especially for families. You know, we're seeing a lot of impacts in families with young kids. And uh, so that's going to be really helpful to get those vaccines out there in the kids and to help keep that down. Uh, you know, but really we see, we still see that the, you know, the old tools that we've had all along still work in terms of distancing, masking, you know, all of those things work just the same as they worked a year ago. And we were trying to learn how to use these tools most effectively as we reopen our spaces, as we try to get our kids more reliably in schools. And I think that's been a a challenge that we're still, you know, I think us as a community are still working through. Hmm. What about the Delta variant? And, you know, it's it's going down uh, in terms of its uh, perniciousness on a national scale. But I I always worry, what's after Delta? Uh, And is there something perhaps even more pernicious around the corner? How prepared should we be for this to be uh, kind of a rolling issue? In other words, there's a variant that appears and then uh, subsides, and then another variant pops up behind it. Yeah, this virus is tricky, uh, I have to say. So, 
you know, there's a few things that we watch when we think about this. One is that the international stage is critically important to the long-term success of being able to control this virus. So the longer we sort of let the world at large um, have transmission without a lot of vaccination, the more we're going to see the virus continue to change there. And then we need to watch to see if that gets imported here. Now, one of the things that I've noticed, and, and a lot of scientists have remarked on this in the last couple of weeks and months, is that you know Delta spreads so quickly, it's very different, difficult for another version of the virus to get a foothold because Delta has been so successful at moving quickly. And so we haven't seen that revolving door of strains that we saw you know, last year at this time. That being said, you know, there are reports, uh, just this weekend, a report came out of the UK about a variant that I think people are calling Delta Plus. They're sort of stretching the limits of our naming conventions, but it's a, it's like Delta. It's got a few additional changes. It might have a slight growth advantage, maybe 15 to 20% more transmissible is what the early data is suggesting. But it's too soon to see if that's going to really take off in a big way and come over to the, to the U.S. in a big way or if it's it's just going to be a pattern that we see, you know, taking hold in the U.K. So hmm. definitely a lot to watch. We're going to have to have this vigilance, I think, for a long time. Um, but the more that we can slow infection rates worldwide as a whole, the more successful we're going to be at preventing new variants from coming around. Hmm. Uh, again, 313 577 1019 is the number here on the phones. Call and tell us what you're thinking about COVID-19 right now as we're in another phase of the pandemic. Let's start today with Angie in Detroit. Angie, what's on your mind? Hello, uh, Stephen. I'm calling because I just got a little emotional. I don't usually talk about this, but I feel there's a lot of pressure to get vaccinated, and I don't think it's very fair. I know that it's a social responsibility in one sense, but also I think that being careful is a big part of the puzzle. And, you know, some people who are getting vaccinated, they just they decide that they don't have to be as careful. And I don't think that's very socially responsible. You know, uh, there's so many things that we can do to be careful. Um, and I just feel like on the topic of going back to normal, I'm not sure that going back to normal is necessarily a good thing. This is happening maybe um, for the reason, I don't know. It's like the normal that we were in before wasn't really in balance or in harmony with uh, the rest of the planet as humans, human beings. It is like we were going down this path that was maybe not so good. And maybe we should really think about whether we want to go back to how we used to be and what, you know, think creatively problem solve um as humans we have that amazing ability to do that mm -hmm. and i also think that um i know there's a lot of research and a lot of doctors that are supporting this vaccine um but there isn't a lot of research uh over many many years like roundup for instance in the 1970s now is like oh that was probably not a good idea actually it was a terrible idea but it took a long time decades decades to see the, the horrible effects of that really mm -hmm. widespread, um, highly endorsed uh, chemical, right? Mm -hmm. Like seeing that was introduced into our society. So it just seems like so, the research is just not enough time. Yeah. So, so Angie, I really appreciate the call and, and you sharing your perspective and sharing your questions about uh, all of this. I'm, I'm assuming that you're saying that you have not decided to take uh, the vaccine. Am I right in that assumption, Angie? Yes, you are. And I think that actually what it comes down to is this is a really big moneymaker. I think that there's so many other pandemics, so many other like heart disease, diabetes, so many things that um, can be solved and put a lot of resources, attention, support, information out there. But that same push isn't made to those things because it doesn't make as much money as this vaccine is making for mm. so many people and companies right now. Uh, and it, and Angie, so I, is a yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you called. I mean, I, I have to say, I, I don't at all agree with the, your analysis there. I think, uh, I think the, 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 the urgency of the pandemic, the sickness, the death, I think is the reason that uh, all of us should be taking the vaccine, but but again, that's I, I just disagree. I mean, I'm I'm absolutely not 
uh, disrespecting your your point of view or or your decision, which is as you as you point out uh, a personal decision. But but Dr. Martin, respond to some of the things that uh, that Angie brings up here. Yeah, well, there's a there's a couple of points that I I'd love to respond to. One is that you know I think that Angie makes an excellent point about uh, you know vaccination is not a uh, is not a free pass to normal because we've still got to be a community and we've still got to work together to bring the rates down um you know vac there is very good data that the vaccine is preventing you know 80 to 90 percent of hospitalizations due to covid um, 60 to 70 percent of milder infections but that means that there's still this there is breakthrough infections, they do happen. We still do have to kind of work together as a community. And I was struck by what she um, had um, pointed out as sort of this push to normal and what does normal mean? And, and I think we've learned a lot of things throughout this pandemic about how we take care of each other, um, how we take care of each other when we're sick, um, how we allow people to stay home and recover when they're sick and take care of their family members when they're sick. And um, and what that should look like going forward, I really hope we see a lot of growth there in our communities. You know, in terms of the, the vaccine, one of the things, um, you know, it's I know it's been... Um, really striking, there's this balance, you know, it's been so impressive how quickly the vaccine came to market compared to previous vaccines. Um, but, you know, it, it has someone who's worked in the vaccine field for a long time. I'm also struck by, you know, this, this vaccine was built upon technologies that we had been, um, the field at large had been researching to, to fight the flu, to fight HIV, to fight actually um, the development of the vaccines were prompted as a cancer therapeutic. And so there's been many, many, many years of prep work for mRNA vaccines to get them from where they started to where they are now. And it was sort of poised and ready for this new application once became available. So there is, you know, was a lot of early trial experience um, with those technologies before they came to market. Hmm. I, you know, I, there hasn't been, of course, we've only been using mRNA vaccines specifically for COVID um, for, you know, 10, 11 months now. Um, beyond the trials in millions of people. But we know a lot about the long-term effects of vaccines because of all of the other vaccines that we use. You know, And so there have been incredible studies that look at the life course of people who got measles vaccine mm -hmm. versus those who don't and how much better they do, how much longer that they live when we prevent um, these preventable infectious diseases, especially when we can prevent them early and prevent them in children. Yeah. Uh, Angie, again, really appreciate the call. Uh, and in, though I disagree with your perspective, uh, I really appreciate you you sharing it. Let's go to uh, Adrian in Detroit. Adrian, welcome to the good, show. Well, good morning, um, and I also appreciate the other callers' view. I am fully vaccinated. I work in a vaccine clinic. I'm going to get my booster. I am a baby boomer, and I have to tell people, look around. There's very few cases of polio, measles, mumps, rubella, chicken pox tetanus, uh, you know, lock, lock jaw, because these vaccines are mandatory for children to come to school. Mm -hmm. I remember getting the vaccine and there wasn't a question. You just stood in line, took the vaccine. I'm a healthy baby boomer, um, but I do remember cases here not too long ago working in the hospital with people on a vent. It is not pretty. And everyone has a, a right and a choice. But I'm saying that if a vaccine is available to prevent other people from getting sick, then then take that choice in, into consideration also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Adrian, really appreciate uh, your call and, uh, of course, your perspective. Uh, Dr. Martin, the, the, the comparisons that Angie was drawing to other kinds of illnesses and then other kinds of things that we once thought were safe but now we know are not safe, I think is, is – is an argument that we hear a lot. And I think, you know, Adrian's uh, analogies to other diseases that we have essentially eliminated through vaccines is, is, is really important that, that, um, in, in most instances, there isn't much controversy about the ability of vaccines to, to help us beat deadly diseases. Uh, for some reason, 
COVID-19, perhaps because of the, the speed with which it was developed, perhaps because uh, of the pandemic, which I think has altered people's thinking about a lot of things, it, it seems to have landed differently than than these other things, which we all kind of take for granted. Absolutely. And, and if you think about, yeah, I, mean, I think the, the pandemic has done so much in, um, you know, it's felt, it's felt largely out of our control for so long. And in that, um, that's a lot, it's really hard. It's a, it's a hard thing to think through. It's a hard thing to think through, um, you know, decisions around making these tools. And it really encouraged people to kind of rely on, rely on doctors, rely on trusted people in your life to, to do this. But we really, you know, we've seen such a success of vaccines eliminating um, diseases that were considered routine. I mean, if we think back to polio, not just in the U.S., but we are close to eliminating these diseases worldwide, um, making everybody safer worldwide, not just here at home. And, you know, I, I think a lot about our experience with measles now. As, you know, measles vaccine has gotten more and more and more common, we still see it sometimes. You still have measles outbreaks that'll happen. Um, particularly, we see it in other countries very rarely, but occasionally we see it in the U.S. But when it comes, we deal with it so quickly. It causes so little disruption to our children and their schooling and our workplaces that we are able to manage it and move on. And that's really where I hope that we can use these tools to get to with COVID. Okay, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation about the pandemic, the restrictions, our reactions to all of it. We want to continue to hear from you on the phones as well. Gina in Bloomfield Hills, Diana in Madison Heights, you're up next. If you want to join them on the phones, 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we'll work into the show that way. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Bringing you news that matters. Stories that impact your life. Music from the Motor City and around the world. This is 1019 WDET. Detroit's NPR station. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Dr. Emily Martin. She's Associate Professor of Epidemiology at the University of Michigan School of Public Health. We're talking about where we are in the pandemic, where we are with vaccines, with restrictions, with the fear or the potential fear, I suppose, of another variant that might alter our lives and our plans again as the Delta variant has. Uh, think back to the spring when we were looking forward to uh, a summer of normalcy, I think, was what uh, was on a lot of people's minds. And the Delta variant had other plans for all of us. Is that something that's likely to happen again with another variant, uh, even as we see the Delta variant itself start to subside? We want to know how you're taking all this in and how you're making sense of it, what your plans look like for uh, the second COVID winter that we're about to experience. Give us a call and let us know what you're thinking about vaccines, what you're thinking about restrictions. What are you thinking about the new child vaccine that should be available really soon? Do you have kids age 5 to 11? And uh, if you do, let us know how you're thinking that through. Will you get your children vaccinated? Uh, or will you not? Have you been vaccinated yourself or are you still hesitant? Are you still wondering whether uh, that's something that you uh, can do and, and feel as though you're safe doing? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And uh, we'll work you into the conversation that way. Let's go to Gina in Bloomfield Hills. Gina, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Mm -hmm. um, I just had my booster shot a few days ago, my third shot, and I have two children under 12. 
and we will be vaccinating both of them when the um, vaccines become available for their age group. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like it's the right thing to do, and we don't really know what the long-term effects of COVID are, so protecting yourself just seems like a no-brainer um, as we protect ourselves from a myriad of other diseases that we vaccinate our children for early mm-hmm. on in their lives. Mm. Um, you know, I feel like there's this sense of complacency now. The pandemic has gone on for so long. People are just over it, for lack of a better word. They just, it, they don't care. It doesn't factor into their daily thinking anymore. Yeah. And for those who say, well, they feel pressured or like they're being bullied into, um, People are bullying them because they won't get a vaccine. Um, It's like, we're just asking you not to endanger yourself or others. Mm. Um, That's what public health is all about. Yeah, Gina, I I, I really appreciate the call uh, and your your perspective. Uh, Give me just a little more, though, about the decision to get your children vaccinated. I think there are a lot of people who are more hesitant, I think, about that because this happened so fast and you don't know the long-term effects. Uh, they have a long time to be in the world, longer than the rest of us. Uh, how have you come to that decision that that you're absolutely going to vaccinate your kids? Um, well, I disagree that the vaccine came about so fast, right? These are techniques that science has been refining. Um, it's we didn't reinvent the wheel here. Mm-hmm. Um, I fully vaccinated my children against all the other, you know, childhood and other diseases. Um, and my children are both in school where there have been multiple COVID cases. Sometimes on a daily basis, COVID cases were reported. Um, and I just feel like Uh, The long-term effects of COVID is what we need to worry about. You know, billions of people around the world have gotten the shot. Mm -hmm. It's clearly safe and effective. Um, Gina, I I really appreciate the call and your sharing uh, so much about how you're thinking about this. Uh, Adam on Twitter has kind of a similar series of thoughts. He says, I have a 10-year-old in Brighton schools. We have one proven tool that can put this virus in check. I'm fed up with people we're getting in the way of public health. The idea that we all have to choose what's best for ourselves is nonsense. Listen to uh, listen to the experts. Uh, Dr. Martin, react to what Gina and Adam are saying here. Yeah, you know, it's it's you, we always have this balance between the individual and the community when we're working in public health, and so you know, vaccination still remains you know, the best option that we can do more of right now, we don't want to do more of closing, closing down our spaces, right? We want to do more of um, things like vaccination that'll move us out of this pandemic. Um, You know, one of the things that Gina mentioned that uh, strikes me is this, you know, this, this idea of the long-term, we don't know the long-term effects of COVID. And we've actually learned quite a bit that there are, you know, some people that do get COVID do have long-term effects in terms of long-term disease symptoms and and fatigue and other issues that can go on for for many 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 months mm-hmm. um and, and it strikes me as you look at the trial data from the vaccines that you know even the the very rare uh, side effects of the vaccines that have been identified we see those same side effects many, many times over more frequently in people that get COVID. So we think about these rare myocarditis events that have been reported. The, the chances of getting myocarditis when you've had COVID is far, far, far greater than what you get from the vaccine. And so we actually do have an incredible amount of data that demonstrates both the risk of getting COVID and the potential danger to, to our kids and to, to our adults. Um, compared to the, the safety of the vaccine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, uh, really appreciate the call, Gina, and the comments, Adam, on Twitter. Let's go to Diana in Madison Heights. Diana, welcome to the program. Good morning. Hi. My family, the people in my household, as well as my adult son, are all fully vaccinated. Um, we are an interesting blend of introverts and extroverts, but we all have a really strong sense of community. And so when we go out in public, we still wear our masks when we're indoors. 
because uh, we all have really good immune systems, fortunately. Also, fortunately, we have not lost anybody to COVID. We only know a handful of people who have even gotten the virus. Um, but we have amazing immune systems thanks to uh, the many years that I ran the daycare. And so we could be carrying COVID and be asymptomatic and be able to transmit it to other people. And that just breaks my heart to think that I would, you know, any of us could put other people in danger, especially when they are not willing to wear a mask or not willing to get vaccinated. Um, And I don't know how we get to a point where the self, the selfishness, I guess, dissipates and everybody understands the community needs to work together. Yeah. Uh, Diana, that's absolutely it's absolutely right. Um, Dr. Martin, I wonder if you can talk about how long we should expect to have to wear masks. How long should we expect to have to be conscious of how many people are in an indoor closed space? This is a similar question I asked to uh, Dr. Bagdazarian earlier about this idea of normal and whether that's even a reasonable thought to be in our minds at this point. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a great question. It's something we're all thinking a lot about. You know, my family, we still wear masks when we go out. Um, We look at the case rates locally, like we look at the weather report and there's just a lot of disease and a lot of, um, I've heard another scientist refer to this as shots on goal. The the virus has a lot of chances, even even though we're all vaccinated. And um, so we're still taking some of those mitigation measures until rates come back down. And I, you know, I think we have a winter to make it through. I think that we still are going to be, hopefully rates will come down from where they are now, but I think we're still going to be um, going through the winter as people move indoors. We're still going to have a higher level of caution. I do hope that this is the last winter that we'll have to do that. And as we get into the this, the summer, you know, we have been seeing seasonal type patterns with this virus and that hopefully every winter will be, it'll be less and less and less of a concern. Um, but I do think this winter we're gonna we're gonna still have a bit um, a, a bit of uh, attention having to be paid to our spaces and, and to mitigation measures, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, Diana, really appreciate the call and uh, the perspectives. Let's go to Melvin in Livonia. Melvin, what's on yes, your mind? Yes, how are you? Yeah, Good morning. Go ahead. Yeah, I've had both my shots. Uh, my wife can't get doesn't get one because she's had cancer. She doesn't think it'll help her immune system. But I really believe it's a me only, along with the Me Too generation. They only look out for themselves. And I think if the Republicans and all the politicians hadn't hadn't fought against it, I think we would be a wiser, gentler society, um, looking out for each other. And I work with people who some have had their shots, some haven't, but they're all concerned about it, but they don't go to get it only because it violates their rights. What about my rights if Mm. someone gets it and passes it to me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And when I taught school, I taught eighth and ninth grade. I taught high school for a while. I was always saying, you know, we have to look out for each other, keep each other healthy and safe. That's all I need to say. I just think part of it's the Republican mentality. I, I I absolutely love that uh, that call and that perspective, Melvin. This idea of us trying to think about each other a little more—that's uh, really important right now. It's becoming more and more difficult, I think, as we get deeper into the pandemic and people get restless and and frustrated. Uh, Dr. Martin, there is a question about I think how much the public will indulge with regard to all of this. We're not seeing near as much death or sickness as we did before. People are, are frustrated. They have a little bit of cabin fever. Uh, it, it may be tough this winter to get people to respond to the things that happen in the same way they did a year ago. Absolutely. I think, I think the fatigue is real. Um, but when I, I think about that, I mean, actually, you know, what, what Melvin says really speaks to how I think about this is because we're, we're not all in the same boat with our, with our families, you know, those of us that have loved ones that are immunocompromised that are higher at risk, you know, even though for the average person, as, um, as more and more people get vaccinated, as the risk goes down, we still have this responsibility to each other to take care of to take care of um, people that are immunocompromised or are more vulnerable, and to make our spaces places where those people can come and interact as well. 
right? We don't want to create schools, workplaces, public spaces where only the most healthy of us can participate. And so the more we can just hang on to taking care of each other, you know, I think the, the better off we're going to be as a community at the end of this winter. Okay, uh, Dr. Emily Martin, it was really great to have you back here on Detroit Today to talk about uh, COVID and the pandemic. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thank you. That's going to do it for us today. Tune in tomorrow for a conversation about the novels that haunt us. Yes, it is going to be Halloween here on Detroit Today. We're going to talk about some of our favorite pieces of horror literature the ways the genre has shaped social and political thought throughout our history. And we'll ask you to share some of your favorite spooky books as well. Should be a really fun show in advance of the weekend's holiday. Detroit Today is produced by Jake Neer. Our program director is Joan Isabella. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Associate producers are Nora Ryan and Sam Corey. And Detroit Today's music is created by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.